right now, we're going to hear the Word of God preach. We've got three incredible preachers coming. Um, So firstly, why don't you all stand um, as I introduce this speaker. So this person, his name is Isaac Childs. He is an incredible man of integrity. He's an incredible man of the word. And I just know that he has such a uh, powerful word on his heart for you this evening. So why don't you lean in and listen to all that God has for you this evening. Thanks, Isaac. How are we all doing? Are we good? Please grab a seat. I'm really excited to share with you all tonight around this topic of unstuck. Excited to... Yeah, just share what I feel though. I feel as though God's put on my heart. I'm believing it's going to encourage someone, trusting that God's going to speak. Um, so good. Yeah, so we're talking around this uh, topic of unstuck. But before I go any further, uh, we always want to take a moment to honor leaders in this house. We believe in honoring those who are leading this house. And for me, I want to take a second to honor my youth leaders, Alex Fitch and Nick Hickman, who was on the guitar tonight. Yeah, let's just lift them up. So these guys are not just uh, dear friends to me and my beautiful wife, Joelle, um, but without their leadership, not one person on this stage would actually be here. Um, so they're just such empowering leaders, and we just, I just honor and bless you both wherever Nick is. So can we just lift them up again one more time? So good. So we're talking on Stuck tonight, and as I was um, preparing this message, praying, thinking about it, I was reminded of this time back in 2015 I spent some time in South Africa and did tons of hiking. Do we have any hikers here in the room? Anyone who just, Mount Coolum. If you've done Mount Coolum, you can say you're a hiker. <laughs> there we go. So uh, this, I did a lot of hiking in South Africa, and there was one mountain in particular that I am reminded of was nothing like Mount Coolum. It was three kilometers, like, vertical, um, and there wasn't any pretty paths. There wasn't any stairs to take you where you're going. It was like you started at the bottom, send it to the top, um, and just straight path, go until you drop, and it was six hours from top to bottom, just keep, keep going. But the thing that was like the, the most frustrating about this climb was, you know, like 18 years old, tons of energy, really excited. Um, first hour, I was like, got to what I thought was the top, I'm like, yes, I've made it. Crested the peak, only to see another peak, like off in the distance that I knew was going to be another two hours. Worst part is, this, this didn't just happen once, but three times where I thought I'd gotten to the top only to discover that I'd had further to go. Are you ready to see how this ties into all this unstuck business? You see, often our journey of getting unstuck can often feel like that similar uphill climb, where it's like we start full of faith and you put some keys in place, you get vulnerable with someone, you get prayer, and you're like, you finally get to a place where you feel like you've overcome it. It's like, I've moved on from that pain in my past, I've finally forgiven that person, whatever it may be. But as you crest the peak, you find yourself at the bottom of another mountain to climb. Someone may have said something that triggers that stuck again, or an unexpected circumstance happens, and all of a sudden it feels like you're back at square one, which can often feel super discouraging. And the temptation in that moment can be to give up and embrace the stuck. It's like, God, I thought I was over this. I thought I was free. And for me personally, this is actually my experience of my stuck. You see, for nine years, I struggled with lustful thoughts and pornography. And I got prayer countless times, right, because you want to get free of these things. And I went to course after course, and I put countless strategies in place. And there were seasons where it felt like I had dealt with it. And yet after a while, those unexpected circumstances would pop up, and all of a sudden I'd fall short, and it felt like I was starting at the bottom of the mountain again. But finally this year, praise God, I found victory and got unstuck. And there's a couple uh, very brief thoughts I want to share from this scripture that I've found so key that I feel like may help someone here tonight that may be in that similar rut. 
and may have begun to embrace it as their new normal. And it's in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Love that. Um, first key that I want to pull from that is actually in that first sentence, and it's that surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. And if I could summarize that for us tonight who are stuck, it's this. You're not alone in your stuck, and you don't get unstuck alone. You see, in my own personal journey of getting free of this stuff, I went to the Scriptures and read about the lives of countless heroes in the faith who encouraged and inspired me in my own personal journey of getting unstuck. People like Abraham and Moses and David who just did crazy things for the Lord and went through mountains their entire lives. But I didn't just read in the Scriptures for those heroes. I went to men in this house, heroes of the faith, one of which was actually going to be preaching a little later on, which I'm really excited about. And I, and I went to these men and I just poured out the mess, fully vulnerable, didn't hold anything back. And they, they listened and they shared keys about how they got free in the, same, in the same stucks that I was dealing with. They prayed for me, and they imparted the faith and the inspiration I needed to tackle my stuck head on. And whatever your stuck may be tonight, I want to encourage someone. There are people in this church who will cheer you on, love you, and stir you towards Jesus, the true source of faith. And that brings me to my last point, and that is fixing our eyes on Jesus. You see, when, when we're fixated on the stuck, whatever it may be tonight, Often it gets so big in our mind's eye that it almost seems impossible. And as it gets bigger, our image of God and His bigness shrinks. And we forget that He's very present and He's very powerful to move. But if we could just for a moment take our eyes off the stuck, whatever it may be, and fix our eyes on Jesus, we would remind ourselves that, hang on, He's the creator of the universe. Hang on, He's intimately invested in my world. And the way that we can begin to fix our eyes on Jesus is in an atmosphere of praise. And that praise isn't just the two fast songs that we sang this, uh, tonight, but it's Monday through Saturday. When you wake up and feel the weight of whatever you're stuck may be, it's instead choosing to remind yourself of who God is, to fix your eyes on Him and praise Him. Learn about in the Scriptures who He is and who He says He is for your stuck, that He's faithful that He's all-powerful, that He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. And that means this, that He's with you at the beginning of your stuck, and if He's there at the beginning, He sure as heck is going to be with you every single step of the way to the mountaintop. So my encouragement to us tonight as I close is this. If you're finding yourself in a stuck, and you feel like you've been there for so long that there isn't a way out, Seek out those who have gone before you and already overcome the stuck. In this house, there is plenty of them. But more than anything, get your praise on. Look to Jesus. Get your eyes off yourself for a second. Get your eyes off the impossibility of your circumstance and put your faith in a God who is bigger. I hope that encourages and blesses someone tonight. That's all from me. Looking forward to the rest of the speakers. Thank you. So good. Thank you, Isaac. That was awesome. I love what you said. Um, you're not alone in your stuck and you don't get unstuck alone. That was so powerful. Surround yourself with people. Let's give it up for Isaac again. That was so powerful. Thank you, Isaac. That's good. Well, our second preacher of the evening is none other than the beautiful Summer Davis. 
There is such a beautiful purity that just surrounds Summer. And you know what? She's been leading worship since she was 16 years old. Like, I cannot believe that. She carries such a beautiful presence of God. And so why don't you guys stand up and make her feel welcome as she comes to the stage? Thank you. Hello, everybody. Oh, sorry. You guys can take a seat. Thank you. Before I start, I also wanted to honor the amazing Nick and Alex. I know, like, if you guys know these people, you, like, you know what Isaac and I are talking about. They're seriously the best people ever, and I'm so grateful for the both of you. You both have been such, like, a huge part in my journey, and so thank you so much. Let's give them a hand. We love Nick and Alex. Thank you. Alrighty. Well, about a year and a half ago, I went through a season where I was struggling a lot with my mental health and just, like, appreciating myself and loving myself, and this thought kept going in my head that, like, I wasn't worthy of love and I wasn't just worthy full stop and I knew deep down in my heart that the answer was that like I am worthy because I'm a child of God but because of like pain that people had left me and like unforgiveness in my heart I just like really struggled to believe that I was so like I put it like this like you know in like America when you're like a track runner and there's like the big field it's like I was running around one of those at nighttime, right and I kept trying to find the little exit route but I just kept missing it every single time And it wasn't until I got down on my knees and I said, God, I'm tired of fighting by myself, that I discovered this peace that I'd never experienced before. And Psalm 119 verse 105, one of my all-time favorite scriptures says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. You see, I was stuck in this cycle, just running around in circles. And the only way that I knew how to get out was to allow God to enter in and to show me how to get out. You see, surrender is a really, really hard thing to do, especially when you're giving your fight into the hands of someone else. But I've learned that it's essential if we want to become unstuck. So for me, I had to get on my knees and say, God, I need some help right now. And the moment I did that, a peace I'd never experienced before just washed over me. Um, God began to firstly reassure me that I was going to make it. And then he began to reveal to me keys on how I was to get out of that place. So I'm going to reveal some of them to you tonight, which is fun. So the first one is the Bible. So once you start reading the Bible and like truly understanding who God is, you actually can't stop. It's kind of like addictive. And like 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. This means that every single word in the Bible is from God. So those scriptures in there telling me that I'm a daughter of the King, are words that God himself is saying to me. And I can promise you, no matter what you're going through, there's a scripture somewhere in the Bible that is going to encourage you and strengthen you. But you have to actually open the book to find the scripture, right? The second thing is prayer. Sometimes we need to get on our knees and surrender, and other times we need to start declaring over ourselves. You see, there's a time for both, and both of them are equally important. So getting on our knees is a sign of surrender. We're handing over the reins of our life to God and trusting that He will take hold. We cannot expect God to take hold of our lives and to move in our lives if we're still holding on to the reins, right? We have to trust that God is going to pick up what we're putting down before Him. But we also have to declare Scripture and truth over ourselves. One of my favorite scriptures to declare over myself is 2 Corinthians 10.5, and it says, we take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ. You see, we have the authority to tell our thoughts to bow down to God, right? That means that the thoughts telling us that we're not going to make it through or that we'll never see the end of this battle can actually no longer stand. And we can begin to allow the truth of God to fill us and encourage us. So I encourage you to get on your front foot, be passionate and start declaring scripture over yourself, but also to get on your knees and say, God, I need help right now. 
The third thing and one of my personal favorites is praise and worship. See, worship takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts them on God, like Isaac was talking about. And it's so much easier to trust God when you're singing about how powerful and amazing He is rather than, you know, stepping back and questioning if He's even real and if He's even watching us. And the good thing is you don't have to be an amazing singer to worship God. Worship is simply just exalting Him and lifting His name up. And one of our worship leaders actually said this morning that worship is not us giving feedback to God, but it's actually us honoring and exalting Him. And that really hit me in the heart. You know, it's not our job to stand back and give God the thumbs up, be like, hey, you're doing a really good job. But we actually need to exalt Him and praise Him and sing about how wonderful He is, right? Come on. You know, in 2 Samuel, it talks about uh, King David and how he lost his son. His son became very sick and he pleaded with God to heal him, but his son ended up dying. And in 2 Samuel 12, 20, it says, Then David got up from the ground after he washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. You see, when we're facing challenges and going through hardships, it's never a time for us to draw away from God, but rather a time to draw closer to him. David had his own personal revelation of the importance of worshipping through hardship. And I pray that God would reveal your own personal revelation to you about the importance of it. And the last thing um, that I would like to touch on is people. And Isaac touched on it as well. That's when you know we both prayed about it. But we need people in our lives, right? We cannot go very far by ourselves. You know, a little fun fact for you. I'm all about fun facts. The first time that God said it is not good in the Bible was in Genesis 2.18 when he said it is not good for man to be alone. You know, we need people in our lives that we can talk to who can encourage us and who will continue to push us forward when we feel as though we're falling behind. This could be friends, your family, leaders and mentors, really just anyone that you can trust. And if you don't have those people in our lives, our church has amazing groups in it that I encourage you to get in because you will find lifelong friends in those groups. See, I was struggling for a long time to see myself the way that God saw me. But during the time, God began to show me how to become unstuck. He began to show me my next steps on how to get unstuck and also what I could do to just open new doors, right? And for me, one of those doors was internship. Internship was for me, like just complete surrender. You know, I didn't really want to do it. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a struggle to say yes, but I'm so glad that I did say yes because in internship, you find yourself like completely taking your eyes off yourself and putting them onto God's house and his people. And you discover this deep love for the house of the Lord. And for me, you know, I've made lifelong friendships and been able to watch our pastors, you know, walk through their own journeys and see how they live their lives. And it's so encouraging. So I encourage you to ask God, you know, what is your next step? It's going to be different for every person here. But, you know, I encourage you to take that step because powerful things happen when we obey God and when we take the step that he's calling us to take. So before I finish tonight, I just want to ask one thing of you. If you are stuck, would you commit to reading the promises of God, surrendering on your knees, but also declaring, worshipping our God and talking to trusted people in your life for just one week? Because, you know, God can do super powerful things in a short amount of time. So before I finish, I would just like to pray for you all. Dear Jesus, God, we thank you that you have not called us to be stuck, but to become unstuck. I pray that tonight you would remind us of who you are and how great your name is. Help us to apply these steps into our lives so that we can live our lives unstuck. We give you all the glory and all the honor tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for your time. Thank you. Awesome.
So good, Summer. She spoke with such authority. That was so powerful, Summer. I love what she said, don't fight by yourself. There is true, there's a theme coming through this evening, don't fight by yourself. I hope you're taking notes. There's some serious gold coming out of tonight. And I want to invite up in a second, last but certainly not least, our third speaker for the evening and our final one, which is Isaac Sampson, my birthday twin. Fun fact, Summer, we were born same day, same year. Shout out to Libby and Sam. Our parents went through the same thing. It's so good that we, they should hang out. <laughs> but no, Isaac is such an incredible man of God. He always shares with such a deep revelation on the Word, and you know that he practices what he preaches. So why don't you stand and make him feel welcome as he shares tonight? Thank you, Alex. It's such a kind welcome. You guys can take your seats. Uh, I, too, just wanted to honour some amazing people in our church, and that is Sharon and Ian Dimon. Are you guys, there you are. You guys are awesome. Um, for a small season, uh, they were uh, both Sienna and I's leaders, but not just in that season. I just wanted to thank you guys for setting an example for young married couples and just young people in general in the house and seasoned people, all of us. But really just the way that you live your life and the way that you conduct yourself really just paves the way for us to follow behind. So I just want to say thank you. And yeah, give a, give a hand to these guys. You guys are awesome. I don't normally preach with an iPad mini and I'm already regretting it because this is why I have glasses. You don't use a small iPad anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm going to share a story tonight, two stories. Um, and what I'm going to do is just read them to you and then show you kind of how they relate to this theme of getting unstuck and a personal testimony in my life. The first one is in 1 Samuel 15, 1 to 3. And it's about King Saul. It says this, it says, One day Samuel, who was the prophet, said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. This is the bit I want you to remember. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. You'll know why I asked you to remember that in a second. In 1 Samuel 15, 8 to, 8 to 9, I'm just going to jump a few, few verses forward. It says, King Saul went, he captured Agag, who was the king of Amalek, but, and completely destroyed everything else. Saul and his men, however, spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless and of poor quality. What happens next, just to put it into a short summary, is the guy who told him what to do, the prophet Samuel, comes back to Saul because they were in a, a separate place and God speaks to Samuel and he goes, hey Samuel, I'm, I'm sorry I made Saul king because he hasn't done what I've asked him to do. And so Samuel goes with a rebuke in his heart to go and tell Saul, hey, I know that you did not go through with what God asked you to do. And this is the reply of Samuel. And we're going to see how this differs to King David in a moment. So Saul says back to Samuel after being rebuked, he says, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. You see, we're going to see two contrasting things in a second about two people who were stuck in sin. David stuck in sin and Saul stuck in sin. Their lives ended very differently. King Saul, after this moment, was rejected as king because of his response. Rather than getting unstuck by saying, Lord, I've sinned against you. He goes, I've sinned, but don't make me look bad in front of people. 
come with me and honor me in front of men. I'm sorry, but like, don't make me look bad in front of the people I lead. Do you see the agenda of his repentance? And then what we do is we come and we read the story of David whose life ended completely different. He too was stuck in sin and had a moment where a prophet rebuked him. But from that place, it's the last we hear of him being stuck in that sin. And his life ended completely different to that of Saul. And so we read in um, 2 Samuel 11 to 12. I'll just paraphrase it because it's, it's a long chapter. But King David, basically when he should be at war, he's walking along the temple roof and he looks down and he sees a woman bathing, and he inquires. He says, who's this woman? And his temple servants come, and they're like, this is Bathsheba. Her husband is out to war right now. And this is the moment where David falls short. He invites her in, and, and they sleep together. And little behold, they conceive a child. And later on, what he does to try and cover up that sin is he invites the soldier back in a bid to try and get him to sleep with his wife so that they can cover up and just basically say that that child's his. But because this man is a man of honor, he comes back and he doesn't do that. He says, if my men are out fighting, who am I to go home and enjoy my wife? He's like, I'm going to lay here. And he slept at the door of David's um, house, basically. He laid there. And so David tried again. He got him drunk, tried to get him to do the same thing, and he didn't do it. So finally, David said, I, 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 I don't know what to do. So he sends him back to the war, and he commands his army officials to pull back in the middle of battle so that that man's killed. And that's exactly what happens. And so jump forward to the next verse. Uh, to the next scene, a prophet called Nathan is in the temple worshiping God and gets a download. He gets, God speaks to him and says, hey, King David has done this, this, this. I want you to go to him and tell him that's not okay. And that's what happens. Nathan, the prophet, walks in and tells him a story that relates to what he did. And then David responds to it and he goes, that man is you. And this is the response that we get. Psalm 51, if you're taking notes tonight, is a psalm about David's response to being called out for his sin. And I'm going to just read a few verses to you, and you can see the difference between this and what Saul did. David says, Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done evil in your sight. You will be proved right by what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Down in verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. My whole thing tonight is, is about heart motives can keep you stuck. You, you need to know that if you're stuck in sin, one thing that can keep you there is when your repentance is from the wrong motives. It's, it's not true repentance. And I know this because I too, like Isaac, was stuck in, in sexual sin for many, many years and I came to altar call after altar call, saw person after person. Why? Because I didn't like how it made me feel afterwards. But I didn't really care about changing the habit. I just wanted the feeling of yuck to go. Same thing when I used to party and go drinking. I'd wake up and regret it, but I had no intention to change. And later on, I'm going to share kind of the, the end of that. But I just wanted to read a th few examples that could be relevant to you today. You might be wanting to get free from sin because it might hinder your leadership pathway. Because you're scared, hey, if my leaders find out I'm struggling with this, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm telling you, that might be part of the reason, but if that's the only reason you want to get free, you might stay there. Maybe you want to get financially free. Is it to buy the latest car? Is it to build the biggest house? Now, those things aren't inherently evil. God wants to bless you. 
But if the reason for it is that, then you may remain stuck in your finances. Again, I've experienced this. God comes in when you spend time with Him, and He purifies your motives. And it's funny because as your motives get pure, in an instant, freedom comes. And so I just want to encourage you tonight, whatever area that is in your life, as you come in and you say, Lord, give me a pure motive for wanting to change. And as you do, you'll find that quickly, quickly happens. I've got here that this, this was the same with me. You, want to, you might want to get healed, and that is amazing, and God wants to heal you. But if you want to get healed just so you can go back to what you used to do, when you felt good and you want to go and be that person that you used to be, that God's taken you away from, out of love, He'll probably keep you there. Because this is the truth. We have an enemy who's real, who fights against us. And it gives an example in the Bible where it says when a, when a demon, an evil spirit leaves a man, it wanders around looking for a home. You see, they don't have bodies and they want one. And so it comes out and it wanders around looking for somewhere and it says, you know what I'll do? I'll go back to where I was. Now, if you're still doing the thing that led it in in the first place and you've, you've got your freedom and then you just go back to how you were, it has an open door to come back. And so in God's love, what He does is He won't allow us sometimes to get unstuck in freedom if we're just going to end up seven times worse. And that's the truth. And so what I want to encourage you guys here tonight is that when you go in and you're like, Lord, I'm sick of this thing, whatever it is, it, the best question you can ask is, God, purify my motives for wanting to get unstuck change my heart. David's prayer, I'll read it again, like it's, it's the best. Create in me a clean heart. He goes on to say, and renew a loyal spirit within me. You see his heart, don't banish me from your presence. The end of Saul's life ended with him dealing with the same things, rejection, fear of man, worrying about what people think, and he ended up dying in battle. David's life, he does that, it is a terrible sin, sleeps with a man's wife, like leads the man to get killed, but goes, Jesus, against you and you alone I have sinned. And the result of his life is he says, the dynasty of David is still going because Jesus came from his bloodline. Like it says, Jesus sits on the throne of David. Like this is the David that did what we just read. Like, and you need to understand that that's, that's what happens when you go, Jesus, it, it's not even about what anyone thinks. It says, David openly repented. Like, he didn't care whether the least greatest person in his kingdom knew what he did. He said, it's not against people that I've sinned, it's against you. And so my story, finally, finally, I'm sitting in a service like this, and I'm sitting there, and it's like God addressed the heart motive. And I had stuffed up so bad, and I was sitting there, and I was like, Lord, we're here again. I, the same place I've come to a thousand times. But this time was different, because I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling his love for me again. Like, he is so patient. Like, you can, I'm telling you, the, the lie of the devil is, oh, you've done it again. Don't go and annoy God. Like, you're going to be stuck in this forever. But he is tremendously patient. And so I'm sitting in my seat, and I'm sitting there, and I, like, have stuffed up again, and I, I've realized what I've done. But then something different happens this time. I realized that I was ready to leave it all behind. Like, Summer said, like we sung on our song, like, I surrender. And I was like, Lord, I don't just want to get free of this because I'm sick of it making me feel icky. Like, I know what this is doing to your heart. That whole thing, against you and you alone have I sinned. And so I'm sitting there, and Jesus just begins to just gently 
Show me what sin does to him. You see, sometimes we think Jesus is a, God's a robot, like he just gives out commands, lists to follow. But the reason we have emotions is because we're made after the heart of God and he too has emotions. And so I begin to just see what my sin does to him. And, and it was like a point here where I'm like, this, this, it doesn't matter who's here. My pastors are there, my dad's there, my leaders are there, my friend's there. And an altar call goes forward for, for freedom from pornography and lust. In the past, I would have sat there and been like, I don't want people to know I'm dealing with this. And I just, I would sit in my seat and I'd wait till the service closes and I'd go and just tell one person because I didn't want anyone to know. But I was like, God, this has nothing to do with the people sitting next to me. This is between me and you. And in that moment, like I walked to the, the front and prayed a really simple prayer and wept like a baby and off came this thing. And in one moment, something that I'd struggled with for years and years and years and years was gone. And I'm still free today. And, and it's because of that thing. And so I just want to encourage you tonight that allow God to refine your motives and realize that it's between you and Him. And I just want to encourage you tonight that maybe, for one, you've just been running from God. And it's not even about a motives thing. It's just you've just been closed off. And maybe you've been stuck in that place so long you've believed a lie that God's done with you and you've, you've stepped out too far. But just with every eye closed, I just want to give an opportunity for you guys just to come back to God. Or maybe you are in this place and you've just never met this Jesus that I've talked about who's patient and kind and loving and gentle. My friends, David committed one heck of a sin. And maybe in here you're like, I've done worse than that. Jesus still loves you. And he still wants a relationship with you. And he still wants you to know him. And so I just want you guys in your hearts right now with your eyes closed to just do business with God. What I mean by that is just ask the question, Jesus, have I surrendered all to you? Is there areas of my life that I haven't yielded yet? And in a moment, I'm just going to say a prayer with you all, us as a family, we're all going to say it and just invite Jesus into every part of our life and yield our life to him. And maybe in this place, the other person I want to pray with is just you're just not sure of your eternal destiny. When you pass from this life to the next, you just don't know where you're going. The Bible says that we can make our election sure. We can know deep on the inside where we're going. And so if that's you and you're like, I just, I don't know where I'm going to end up. If I was to die today, I don't know where I'm going. I just want to give you that opportunity as well to be sure by praying this prayer and surrendering your heart to God. And so with every eye closed, like I said, this has nothing to do with the person sitting next to you. This is an honest, honest chat with God in your heart right now. And if that's you, with every eye closed, I just want you to simply pop up your hand for a moment. And that's all that's saying is, God, I, I want to be included in this prayer. I'm going to give this a bit of time because this is the most important part of the whole night. I'm telling you the whole reason we were created was to walk intimately with Jesus. If that's you right now, you'll feel him. He's so gentle, it'll be a tugging on your heart. Sometimes it feels like butterflies and your heart might be pounding. And if that's you, just be honest with yourself. Pop your hand up and we're going to pray together. Amazing, man. I see your hand. You can pop that one down now. Good, man. If there's anyone else... 
As a family right now, I just want us to all pray this after me. Let's say it out loud in our hearts and that man in your seat, just eyes on Jesus as best as you can and pray this straight to his heart. Dear God, I surrender my life to you tonight. I yield every part of it to you. I ask you to come and live on the inside of me. I turn and repent. I walk away from all of my old ways. And I walk straight towards you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Can we put our hands together for that one? Amazing gentleman. Before I um, step down tonight, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you wanted to pray that prayer in your heart tonight and you did just then. Come and see me after if you want. Like we can just have a chat. But one thing I particularly want to just encourage you guys to do is when we run Alpha Next, it's a really simple course, six weeks, I believe. And we just go through genuine questions that people have about God. And what it does is it just gives you a deeper understanding. It helps you to know what to do with this prayer you've just prayed. Like, what's that next step? And I would encourage you, first thing to do is go and do what these amazing preachers have said tonight. Go and pray. Just speak to Jesus. It's a conversation. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Open your Bible. I'd encourage you, just start in the Gospels. Easiest place, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read about the life of Jesus. And from there, just make a commitment to just doing that every day. And very quickly, you'll begin to learn who He is, follow Him, and your entire life will change. God bless you guys. So good. Thank you, Isaac. That was incredible. Why don't you give it up for every single one of our preachers tonight? They were so awesome. It was so cool to hear the contrasting stories of Saul and David and just asking God, okay, God, purify my motives in this moment. That was incredible. Thank you so much, Isaac.